0: You're listening to the Swick Technologies Leading Business Podcast. This is episode five featuring guest Todd McClees, founder of the Pendio Group and 10X Manufacturing as an Ecosystem Approach. This episode was recorded on Thursday, August 29th. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and thanks for tuning in. I love getting up in the morning. I clap my hands and say, this is gonna be a great day. Swick Technologies presents the Leading Business Podcast helping you leverage technology to accelerate your growth.
1: The key to this business
0: is personal relationships. Welcome back to the Leading Business Podcast. Hopefully everyone had a great Labor Day weekend and enjoyed some much needed time off. This is usually the time of year when everyone checks in after the kids are back to school. So we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, listen in. On today's episode... Todd McLeese covers a few things related to disruption, rate of change of technology, adopting new and evolving technologies, human capital management or talent strategy, and how to help fill some of these gaps and more. It's really interesting as you listen to this episode, um, you'll, you'll hopefully be able to determine if you and your customers will be relevant in the next three years or even three months, or if you'll be right for disruption. Uh, we bring Todd on because he's one of our keynote speakers for our upcoming Future Tech Summit on September 27th, this will give you a good idea of what Todd will be covering when he's doing his keynote speech. Okay, so today on the line, uh, on, the, on the podcast, I have with me guest Todd McCleese, the founder of the Pendio Group. Todd, how's it
1: going? Great, Eric. How are you?
0: Doing well. Uh, you know, we chat often, so it's really fun to be able to have you on the podcast. You had done a podcast for a number of years that I used to listen to often, so it's fun to turn the table here
1: yeah it's actually my first time as a guest so i appreciate being asked thanks how about that yeah (laughs) i'll ask the hard questions
0: today (laughs) (laughs) so okay pendio group um but also something else too and i wanted to have you explain it so i didn't goof it up but it's the 10x manufacturing
1: yeah so pendio group is a six-year-old consulting firm We're, we're focused on helping our clients deal with disruption i do a lot of speaking around the Midwest region and, and uh, beyond these days. And we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about um, the disruption being caused by the rate of change and innovation of technology and issues related to the future of the workforce and so forth. And so we, we help our customers create strategies, alternative revenue streams, et cetera, to either be proactive um, as a disruptor in their industry or um, react to disruption that's already occurred in their in their space and uh, there's no shortage of that these days so that's pretty good and and one of the places where we've been focused here for the last year or so is on specifically the space of advanced manufacturing so we launched 10x manufacturing as an ecosystem approach to helping manufacturers in the midwest region solve three issues really one is around innovation related to business models. So uh, will you or your customers be relevant? Meaning if, if you are a uh, component manufacturer and your customers are the discrete manufacturers or product manufacturers, and they're not tying themselves to the smart connected economy brought by IoT and other converging technologies, will you be relevant in three years? Will you be relevant in three months? or will you be ripe for disruption and what impact will that have on the supply chain and so we're trying to help manufacturers think proactively about those things change their strategies uh, augment their revenue streams with recurring revenue streams uh, software-based subscription-based revenue streams data-driven revenue streams etc the second piece is adopting technology on the delivery side so the production uh, systems within the within the manufacturer and then the third piece is related to the entire continuum of human capital management or talent strategy because everybody needs more qualified people for the right roles today and as much disruption as as is occurring in technology it's certainly happening in the workforce as well and and um, so we don't try to take all that on ourselves we've surrounded ourselves and our manufacturing partners with qualified service providers who can help fill particular gaps.
0: That was way better than I could have done. So I'm glad I had you (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of unpack that. Um, You know, and it makes sense as to why you're going to be speaking at our upcoming event on September 27th, uh, the Future Tech Summit, to kind of help folks understand what landscape lies ahead of them and how they can navigate that. You know, and, and, and maybe before we get into all that, let's kind of Step back a little bit more, and you know h- how did you get into this? you know um, where was your start in, in this kind of play towards manufacturing, and how did you get into this role there
1: yeah i I've rarely have I been accused of being focused as, uh, when it comes to <laughs> uh, the types of companies that we help, but uh, certainly the last two years has brought a significant uh, point of emphasis on manufacturing, and it stems from um, a consulting and a strategic engagement that I did and that which is now a strategic partnership with Foxconn in the region um, I came to understand uh, a great deal about what their goals are uh, in Wisconsin and, and in the Midwest and much of that related to uh, building a localized supply chain and so I got deeply involved in understanding who the high-performing manufacturers were in Wisconsin and throughout the Midwest and what made them high-performing. Some of that is customer-derived data. Some of that is their um, core capabilities as it relates to engineering, manufacturing, and quality control. Uh, Some of it is around mindset and whether or not they are intending to grow the company. If they're on a three- to five-year exit horizon, the mindset's a little different. Are they multi-generational family health business are they um, are they growth minded are they do they believe that they can continue to uh, learn today that they can get better and that their team can get better and are they they deal what struggles are they dealing with Uh, do they have the ability to adopt new technology are they willing to make those investments given wherever they are on the continuum and so we built a framework by which we could measure those things identify the gaps help them prioritize those gaps and then find qualified vetted partners who could uh, play a big part by leveraging their core competencies in um, positive business outcomes for those manufacturers. It's so interesting we you know, right there I mean, it's a 6-day a week gig so <laughs> uh, there's no time for ancillary uh, industries anymore.
0: <laughs> everything you're doing is there's work involved in that so you can actually you know, you're not just here to say all these fun things you're you're literally helping them put the the rubber to the pavement so to speak but you mentioned one thing that some of this stuff i mean you mentioned a number of things but one that kind of caught my attention as you're saying them is a lot of this is cultural you know this is the first time that i'm aware of um and a lot of based on what you've said at some of these other engagements you've you spoke at is um we are no longer able to adopt to or adapt to technology um, it is coming out faster than humans can actually adapt to it
1: yeah there's this concept of linear versus exponential, right? And and technologies on an exponential curve. And today that's really been going on for a long time, hundreds of years. Um, Today, it takes human beings five to seven years to adapt to new technology, but new technology is occurring every two to three years. So it's approximately twice as fast as we're able to adapt. And, And I'm not talking about early adopters, you know, standing in line at Best Buy to get the, you know, iPhone 11 uh, in early September, I'm talking about uh, entirely new sort of breakthrough technologies and the willingness to adopt those technologies, not only as a consumer, but within a business environment to help catapult the business forward and so forth. And so um, whether we're talking about legislation, like many communities, including Milwaukee, have gone through with regard to uh, e-scooters, um or we're talking about education and the challenges there in terms of uh creating a talent pipeline for the workforce of the future there are these massive challenges that impact every aspect of the spectrum uh in the business community in terms of technology and so there are some knee-jerk reactions like well you know the market will dictate that technology won't happen as quickly uh, as everybody's talking about and I'm. I don't believe that. I believe that that will equate to lost productivity. And I believe that um, as technology and technology companies are having vast amounts of money uh, invested in those companies today, uh, it's much more likely that technology that the rate of change and innovation will just continue to increase.
0: Yeah, and we see that here at Swick Technologies, you know, based on some of the things that the clients that we work with are trying to accomplish, and and you know we try to eat our own dog food and we try to stay as ahead of it as we possibly can. Um, you know, we're deploying a lot of security-based things right now to thwart and and deal with a lot of the you know cyber security threats that exist. You know, I think that everyone knows the the slogan for Frank's Red Hot. You know, they put that on everything. Uh, we're putting MFA on everything. <laughs> actively for everybody that we possibly can that's just one small best practice to help there it's interesting um how many companies have a lot more to to do before they can even get to just that point right and that's that should be the base and there's a lot of folks that aren't even there with that um you know so it is it is evolving rapidly
1: it's a really interesting point you're making in that um a couple of weeks ago i went on a drive up to the green bay region and met with um Northeast Wisconsin Manufacturers Association has an industry 4.0 task force and along uh, for the ride or a few people came along and and one of them was uh, Sonny Kirshnan, who is the VP of IoT for Siemens. And we were, you know, we were going deep on, on these issues in terms of what it takes to actually get the work done. And he made a really interesting point, which is the same one you were just making, Eric, which was it's really important to understand where you're starting from. So in the past, it's, there have been attempts at collaborative efforts and so forth, but if you don't understand what the current capability maturity is, that's typically on a one to five scale, that that framework. If, if you put a bunch of ones, twos, threes, and fours, because there are very few fives in the world at anything, uh, at the same table, they can have, A really great conversation. It could be a great meeting or a great event that we all go to, whether it's industry focused or economic development focused, et cetera. And there's diversity of thought because of the various levels of experience and expertise, but it's really hard to work together with the, with the rate of change, the way it is. And the fact that that rate of acceleration is accelerating itself, it's only going to get faster, just slow as it ever will be it's important to grasp that in fact many companies are suggesting we can't do this on our own anymore it's too Mm -hmm. expensive it's too expensive to make mistakes let's find a way to work together and in order to do that the systems by which we work have to be modified as well and measurement and assessment and data driven is a big piece of that
0: and you're helping a lot with that you know i was just thinking as you're saying that too um if you look at the s&p 500 right i think i don't know some stats that i had 19 in 1958 us corporations remained on that index for an average of 61 years and that was according to you know, the american enterprise foundation but um you know by 2011 which was quite some time ago already now um it was stating that you know approximately every two every two weeks companies were were falling off of that right or getting replaced and so it really does seem to be a matter of transform or perish you know it, the the, yeah. the old way of things um aren't applicable anymore same thing with like getting that one job that you're going to be at and get all this tenure and retire and get a you know that's not how it works either you know we're in the gig economy right you can go work by delivering groceries drive an uber um you know whatever whatever that looks like so it, things are like you talked about employee retention and, and talent gap and Um, Helping on that side too, maybe speak to that a little bit as it remained. We kind of talked about or touched on cultural um, impacts. I know that's something that you have some initiatives around as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of important things there. Thanks for that. The, you know, on your S and P 500 statistic, you know, you know me well, and you you know I love statistics like oh yeah, and um, you know my one of my favorite ones is. the first year of the Fortune 500 was 1955, and in the 60 years that followed by 2015, 88% of the Fortune 500 in 1955 had gone away. had ceased to exist in any sort of meaningful way. And so that's 440 of the 500 companies. The challenge with statistics like the S&P or Fortune 500 and so forth, they're great anecdotes, and it and it helps people understand Things like concepts like rate of change, but mm-hmm. the the system one the, sort of the auto response or emotional response is well. There's still a Fortune 500 or an S and P 500, so there there will be change in a market. This is not the kind of change that we're talking about. The kind of change that we're talking about now is more, uh, core uh, equivalent or equatable to the dairy farming industry in Wisconsin. So. In 1969, 50 years ago this year, there were nearly 65,000 dairy farms. In 2019, there are fewer than 7,800 dairy farms. So, 90 percent of the farms, dairy farms, have disappeared. And we're not talking, so a couple of key points there. Wisconsin as a state produces more dairy and more milk than we ever have. But there's this consolidation into much larger farming operations. And the forces at work, global pricing, leveraging technology, multi-generational succession planning issues in these family-owned farms and so forth. These are the businesses that are going away. So what impact does that have? Well, in the last 10 years, 40% of the dairy farms in Wisconsin have disappeared. In twenty eighteen we lost two a day, more than seven hundred for the for the one year period of time wow. in twenty nineteen in April alone, we lost three a day. This is the type of attrition that we're talking about in manufacturing over the next decade is this forty percent reduction in manufacturers is going to result in some fair number of uh, exit events, sale of company, mm-hmm. where they'll get a decent multiple and it will be business as usual in terms of how that has always worked. But there will also be a huge number of businesses for sale, relatively speaking, more than any time in our lives, because simply demographics, there are more business owners edging towards retirement without a succession plan than, have, than has ever been the case in history. Thousands more and so now you have a buyer's market and there's all sorts of ramifications to that in terms of the ability to take discounts and buy businesses at a lower multiple against EBITDA or whatever metric they're using and That would that means that either businesses won't be sold and will ultimately die on the vine or uh, these business owners will take that lower price and attempt to fund their retirement on much less money than they ever thought. Our attitude towards that is that every um, business owner today who's thinking about a three, five, or seven year exit horizon should be making the necessary investments to protect the exit valuation. And so that's why we've partnered with companies like CLA, on that side where Clifton Larson Allen has an advisory service that is focused on that and they have 7,000 manufacturing clients that are closely held businesses. So they're an important founding partner in the 10X manufacturing ecosystem. On the talent side that you mentioned, it's the number one issue in not just manufacturing but every industry. And mm-hmm. so I've gotten deeply involved, um, certainly through our partnership with ADP, who's You know a global leader in terms of uh, human capital management but more as importantly in the region um, working with all of the higher educational institutions um, there's a an announcement will occur on october 15th around the higher education regional alliance which is an unprecedented example of the 18 two and four year schools in the seven county region in southeastern wisconsin working together more aggressively on all sorts of incredible initiatives and it and i say unprecedented i'm not talking about in wisconsin i'm talking you can't find an example of this level of collaboration and the issue the reason is not because foxconn came in and acted as a catalyst or no it is the age of disruption and the schools the higher educations every single Two and four year university and college in the southeastern part of the state, they have banded together because they know they can't do it alone. They can't develop the talent pipeline the way that we always have, which is independently. These schools compete against one another for students and employer uh, benefactors and so forth.
0: Right. When you look at the in big this, picture, that's the neck trying to bite the head off at that rate. And that's right. So you can't do instead, that anymore.
1: Mm hmm they're coming together and they're building shared resources. They're building uh, digital solutions together. It's an, it's really an incredible, uh, incredibly exciting level of collaboration that's going on.
0: So it's all really exciting stuff. It sounds like this is a bit of just a glimpse of what you'll get into at the summit on the 27th for us. But then beyond that, you're, um, Speaking throughout the month of October, you mentioned some announcements that are going to be taking place. But for those that don't know, October is Manufacturing Month. Um, you know, where where are you going from our event, and what does that look like for you as well?
1: Yeah, thanks. I actually I'm, I uh, I consider the whole month sort of a series of events, and it starts with the Future of Tech Summit at uh, Potawatomi with Swick Tech, and um, then there are I think that. I'm doing six or seven keynotes throughout the state during the month of uh, October. And then I've got events outside of Wisconsin as well. And, um, you know, I'm speaking to the Precision Machining uh, National Conference in uh, in Las Vegas during October. It's manufacturing month everywhere in October. So it's, um, it, it's a busy month in terms of appearances, but there's also a great uh, deal of work to get done. A couple of the announcements, there's a a partner in the ecosystem, we're, we're launching a uh, digital solution that is aimed directly at uh, small companies, small and medium-sized companies who have initiatives around hiring veterans and uh, minorities, or diver- they have a diversity and inclusion policy or strategy as it relates to hiring talent and so we're looking to we're looking to bring solutions to market that are through partners that are digital and practical and pragmatic and can help people improve that capability as it relates to in this case talent attraction and talent acquisition. There are just ways to leverage next generation tools to help companies. And I know that you know Swick Tech is is a big part of this equation, right? That finding ways the best ways to Uh, deal with business challenges using today's technology rather than staying with the same linear processes that we've always used. This is what's necessary, not just to grow during this time, but really to survive. There's a necessity to collaborate. There's a necessity to digitally transform elements of the business. But the point a really important point is you don't need to take it all on at once. There are very pragmatic solutions that you can implement in 30 days or less that help move you along that capability maturity scale, regardless of what process you're talking about in your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we take a similar approach when it comes to technology. You know, I mentioned before the MFA, but you know, it might be a good idea to enable uh, BitLocker on every computer. So if they get legs, you're encrypted if they try to stack in the hard drive. Um, there's these are those are similar things that you can do inside of fifteen to thirty days, low cost, low hanging fruit, before you start to tackle, well, you know, what about the NIST compliance or the ITAR compliance and the government regulations? Yeah, you can get there. Um, and we can do a lot of that through, you know, Office and, and Microsoft 365 and things of that nature. And, you know, but it's like scaffolding. You have to set the layer one before you can get to layer two. You talked about, you know, the ones to the one to fives. Um, you know, you, you have to have that starting point first.
1: And I think one thing that typically gets lost when we, when any of us get into these conversations is that we're typically talking about uh, applying technology to our current operations and processes. And, you know, you guys have done a great job with some of your clients that, uh, in terms of, this is not just about squeezing the next few points out of the margin by adding efficiencies, it's not to, to existing process. It's not just about compliance as you think about cyber and so forth. This is also about reimagining process and reimagining products and solutions so that you've got something to offer to your client that is relevant, not yep. just today, but a year from now.
0: Yep. And, and then so you can act on exactly. Business
1: models. That's right. Mm-hmm. In the second, this is the fourth industrial revolution that we're going through right now. And there's 12 major technologies that uh, companies implement. And typically those technologies are, they converge there. An example might be, I don't just put AI into my factory. I (laughs) leverage uh, AI, smart sensors, uh, advanced data analytics, and maybe robotic process automation. And together, those four technologies create real business value. In the second industrial revolution, it was electricity and the assembly line and many companies within within 20 years, within 10 years, half of the steam powered factories in the country in the world had electrified. So they replaced steam with electricity, but process didn't change within 20 years. Steam was basically dead and everybody had electrified and by adding electricity instead of steam, there was improvements in terms of, um, financial gain there were there were efficiencies gained in terms of the costs of running that infrastructure so most everybody did that and most everybody received incremental uh sustainable savings and and uh, cost efficiencies the reason why when people think about electri- electrification and assembly line the reason why people the mind goes right to henry ford is because he reimagined an existing process. At the time, a Model T cost $850 to the consumer. And by re-engineering, and I mean from ground up, not tweaking, by reimagining the assembly line process at Ford, the price of a Model T went from $850 to $250. And now everybody could afford one. And so over the next 15, 19 years, they sold 15 million cars and they were 92% of the market share for automobiles in the world at one point. And this was a function of reimagining process. And so when we think today about how to add AI into our business, we shouldn't, should, or automation and robotics and so forth, we shouldn't simply be, or advanced data analytics in, in SwickTech's case, right? We should not be thinking simply about how to add these capabilities to our existing processes, but what are the ideal process designs that would actually maximize the impact of the capability around AI and so forth. And so this is where new business models come out of. This is the innovation that has to occur. And today, innovation is not top down. In a hierarchy model, whether it's Walmart or GE or Apple or whomever, in a hierarchy, all of the power is in those big vendors and they put historically um, pricing pressure on the supply chain. In an ecosystem model, the influence emanates from the center of that ecosystem and innovation, for instance, can come from anywhere, from the suppliers, from the customers and so forth. This is the height, this will be the Gilded age of collaboration, but in order to make it work, we need to reimagine the way in which we work together. And so, when Accenture and McKinsey and uh, Price Waterhouse Cooper and everybody else on on that tier talk about uh, work is becoming more human, there's nothing more human than collaboration, and this is the this is the sort of work that needs to be done. We need to be thinking about how we could work differently to gain efficiencies when 10 companies work together to implement robotics instead of being fooled by the thought that if I buy a robot today, I'll gain an advantage in the market over my competitors. That is an old paradigm and won't likely return the sort of significant gains over any sort of sustainable periods.
0: Yeah, people should be playing a, you know, a 20 to 50 year game, not a one to five year game.
1: Right. Or in this case, one to five months and 20 yeah. to 50 months, yeah, right? Because it's going faster. Yeah. 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 And challenge the status quo,
0: experiment often, you know, and, and collaborate. I think, you know, Tesla seems to be doing an interesting job with that, with open sourcing, how they do things rather than keeping it close to the vest. They've let everyone have at it. And that is how things can change in the world, not just for one company. And then you get that's the a great example. Power of the whole the whole Country, right, or whoever's the smartest people in the world can
1: address those things.
0: There's a lot of power in that.
1: We just need to be challenging these old paradigms of, mm-hmm. you know, each company should pay separately to go through a workshop about. Know, I'll stay on AI for a moment, right? Why would every company go through that separately because they don't want anybody to know that they're learning something? Why, why pay a firm $60,000 and not have the diversity of thought in the room? You can include ecosystem stakeholders like customers and vendors and competitors in some cases, maybe not your, your nearest competitor that you run into every day, but to have this ability to both um, achieve economies of scale. This is the only way this work is going to get done at the small and medium-sized business level. Companies cannot afford to go it alone. The the largest, most successful companies in the world, Amazon, Apple, Alibaba, etc., seven of the 12 largest companies by market cap today are a function of a platform-based ecosystem. Apple doesn't do everything themselves. They provide the platform for which app developers and music publishers and book publishers create content, create value. It's that ecosystem that has you buying that Android phone or that iPhone because every time a new developer puts a, an app that goes viral out, it adds value to the device. That's an ecosystem-driven approach. It's not Apple engineers sitting in a room saying, "Thinking us we'll figure out up. what the right. next great app is, right? Yep, yep. Let the market decide. And sometimes that cannibalizes revenue a little bit. Right. Sometimes yeah, yep. that impacts because there's better tools, but it long term to your earlier point, it adds value to the platform. And is the, the way you build influence in an ecosystem economy is by connecting out. And so the, the more people and stakeholders and at every level that you can bring into an ecosystem, the more influence you have, the more control you have, the more opportunity you have to, to participate in revenue.
0: that about sums it up, huh? <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure that uh, was this the light conversation that you were looking for. This or? is perfect. It's pretty, yeah. People are going to come and like, ah, oh, this is great. Um, yeah. So on the you know, 27th I, at your I, event, that yeah. a lot of me we're going we're to dive deep <laughs> into these issues, right? We, yeah, we really want to do a great job of covering this and um, I, you guys have done a great job of getting Alex Benayan to the table. Um, who's, you know, it's tremendous. The Third Door is a tremendous book. Anybody thinking about what they want to be doing with their lives should be thinking about that. I think it's just, I'm really excited about being a part of it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. So what I usually ask in the beginning of the show um, that I didn't get to, it'd be fun to end on this note, is, uh, you know, Todd, knowing what you do today now um, in business as a professional, what did you want to be when you were growing up?
1: Um. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, when I was, uh, when I was 15 years old, I was the youngest mascot in NBA history. I was, I was Bango, the Bucks mascot. And I did that for nine years of my life. Um, (laughs) so I don't, I've, I've always, um, I won't go back to childhood, but I'll say (laughs) that earlier in my career, I spent a, a, a couple of decades in software and I always thought I would end up, uh, building something. And I think i'm still on that path i think ultimately I was say, i'll yeah. end up running a software company and um you know we've got a few things in the iron eye irons in the fire with regard to that
0: yeah you'll probably end up running a, a number of companies but maybe a software company will be one of the, the companies
1: software is fun i I, had a, I that's a that's a good type of business the margins are right yeah well thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule
0: i know you got another one coming up Um, but we look forward to seeing you on the 27th. And hopefully the folks that hear this um, are just as excited as we all are to have you there. And obviously there's value in that. So thank you
1: again for your time today. Well, looking forward to the event, Eric, and um, thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Todd McLeese and the Pendio group and learn more about what Todd has going on, uh, and also see some of his upcoming keynotes, you can visit his website at pendio.io. That's p-e-n-d-i-o.io. If you'd like to learn more about the upcoming Future Tech Summit that Swick Tech is hosting at the Potawatomi Hotel and Casino on September 27th, you can go to Swick Tech's website. It's S-W-I-C-K-T-E-C-H dot com. And simply go to our resources tab and you can click on events and that'll take you right to the future tech summit where you can register. Feel free to invite a friend. On the next leading business podcast, we interview guest Jim Gulky of Sunbelt Business Brokers to learn how you can leverage technology to better position your business to sell and what you can do to actually buy a business and some things you should look for. Stay tuned for that episode to be released. And uh, thanks again for tuning into the show. We appreciate you taking time out of your
1: business schedule. Have a great day. I'm sorry.